fighting, hatred, fear. Had enough of the noise? energetic health radio and thank you so much for listening i'm your host dr henry ely and it is always a pleasure to be with you now normally we get started with gratitude so we are going to keep that flowing and today the thing i'm grateful for is freedom of speech and how important it is for us to protect it at all costs and how okay it is for us to disagree right? That's what this is all about, having conversations, talking, learning in the process. Because sometimes I'll tell you the truth, when I entrench myself in a position and I don't want to listen to what anybody else has to say, I sometimes find out that I'm very wrong at a later date. So conversation can be really good. Now, we have a topic today that I'm very excited about, but I also appreciate it's very sensitive. I appreciate that You know, what we are going to be talking about today um, can make you mad, can make you upset, can challenge some of your existing belief structures, Um, that what we are going to be talking about today is tugs at the very fabric of who we are as a society. It's the DNA. It's in our DNA of who we are and what we've become. And we're seeing something going on. And of course, the topic I'm talking about today is slavery. One of the things that has been really obvious for a lot of us who've been paying close attention is that when you have an understanding of history and how things have gone down, that history repeats itself. And when history repeats itself, it's often because we are making the same mistakes again, and we don't realize we're making those same mistakes. Well, one of the big concerns I had when they first started proposing the concept of vaccine passports and you have to show something in order to get into a restaurant to spend your money or to participate in society, was that start sounding a lot like slavery to me and showing your freedom papers or that your brand because you are actually a slave. And what that brings up for me, especially as we're having some very important discussions right now, is an opportunity, I think, here to delve into our history as troubling, as polarizing as it may be, but to look for parallels to what's going on in today's world. And that's the intent here, to show you that what is happening right now has already happened before. And if we take just a few minutes to actually understand our history, we may be able to prevent hundreds of years of problems created by a single law that can be disastrous. So with that in mind today, I have some very special guests. Uh, We have Dr. Avery Jackson, who is a neurosurgeon. So yes, he has studied brain surgery, y'all. He knows what he's doing. We have Dr. Christina Parks, who is just doing some fantastic work, bringing people from all walks of life together to answer one of the biggest questions we should have never had to face. And that is, what can we do to help people who are hurt by these shots? She's solving this incredible 
microbiological problem. We also hopefully at some point are going to have Kevin Jenkins on with us as well to share his thoughts. He's always got some incredible insights about the, he's got, he does a great job of really having his finger on the pulse of what's going on in our country. And that's probably because of his great travels. And a treat for me, we have my father joining us, Professor Henry Ely, who just happens to have been teaching American history and specifically Black American history for over four decades at the collegiate level. So I think we have an expert here who can talk to us and educate us upon really what happened with slavery so we don't have to guess and speculate. Now, um, folks, I just want to do a quick little check-in with everybody so everybody can get familiar with your voices and everything like that. Uh, Dr. Avery Jackson, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing well, sir. Glad to be here. Thank you kindly. All right. It's good to have you. And Dr. Christina Parks, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you. Uh-oh, we, we have a little bit of mute right there. We're going to come right back to you. That's okay. Try it again. Professor, can you hear me now? Oh, we can hear you now. Now you're loud and clear. All right. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. All right. Fantastic. And Professor Ely, how are you doing today, sir? All is well, man. Happy to oh. be here. All right. So now that you've gotten acquainted with everybody's voices uh, on here, we might have one more voice. Kevin Jenkins joining us in a second. He's having a little technical difficulty, but we wanted to move forward with the broadcast. So while you're listening in, um, I will do my best to moderate here and to point out who's talking and things like that. And what I want you listening in to check in with is how is this making you feel? Are you open to what's being said? Are you, if it, even if it's different from what you're hearing or what you believe, are you closed? And is what you're hearing upsetting you? Because we have to have this conversation, folks. There are some elephants in the room that we have to make sure we discuss. And joining us right now is the great Kevin Jenkins. Go ahead, Kevin, if you don't mind unmuting and just giving us a voice check for you right now, that'd be great. And he's okay. I unmuted. I unmuted. You know, I bought, I had to get a new computer and I don't know how to use this. So don't blame me. Blame the computer. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not like you, doc. I, I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm you're, my best you're here. I know you're, you're better, brother. So go ahead and mute up again. We're, and I'll call on you when we come on, since we have so many people listening in today. Okay. All right. So folks, we have an elephant in the room when we talk about slavery. And this is something that we've seen, we've heard, and we're going to just talk about the elephant in the room right off the bat. So, Professor Ely, coming to you first, elephant in the room, did Black people sell Black people into slavery? Yes, they did, particularly in uh, Africa. You know, Africans enslaved Africans and sold them to Europeans and to uh, folks from the Islamic Empire, too. So when we hear that coming from folks, because oftentimes when you, you, know, you start talking about slavery, you'll hear that as a response, that slavery has been going on since civilization has existed. That's true, right? We've, we all know that. And that Black people have sold Black people into slavery. That's true as well, right? But my question to you is that there was something different about the slavery that was experienced in this country in the United States, and particularly prior to us even becoming the United States. What can you tell our audience about what happened in 19, excuse me, 19, in 1662 that changed the landscape really in our country for centuries? Well, 
let, let, let's go back to 1619 when the Africans were introduced to the British colony in Virginia, uh, Jamestown. That, 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 that starts the situation moving forward because remember, uh, England had colonies in the Carib uh, Caribbean too, specifically Jamaica and slavery was there too. But in Jamestown, it was very interesting because it set the stage for whether or not you're going to deal with indentured servitude or chattel slavery. So it was about what and what initially. But as time moved on, there became a, an issue as to what would be the status of children born to slaves. And a lot of that was because of property. And by property, I mean transferring generational property from one generation to the next generation. So if, if the master had a wife and a child by the wife, but the master had a concubine who was a slave and a child by the slave, so which one of the two would receive his particular wealth after he'd passed? Well, the legal wife was very, very conscious of that and wanted to make sure that her children received that property. So with that said, in 1662, the Virginia House of uh, 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 Met, Assembly Met, and they discussed the issue. And as a consequence of that, they came up with the 1662 Virginia law that said, the status of a child born in a colony of Virginia would be determined by that of the mother, no matter who the father was. And that became law and that set a standard for the other colonies in North America that belong to England. So with that said, we have to try to look at that law in terms of its consequences. First of all, we ask ourselves this question, what type of man makes a law to absolve himself of paternity? That's mm. the first question. Well, a European man in Virginia, upper class, who has the legislative process at his disposal made that law. Now let's ask ourselves another question. Okay, so England, Englishmen in Virginia who owned slaves made a law to absolve themselves of paternity. Yes, they did. Now, what are the consequences of that law? Well, before we get to the consequences of that law in terms of its property implications, we have to ask ourselves another question. What type of man makes a law that enslaves the fruit of his seed in perpetuity? Hmm. See, that's, that's a heavy question. What type of man makes a law to enslave the fruit of his seed? Kevin, before we go to break, I got to come to you because... On this point that Professor Ely brought up, you know, where we start talking about the mental makeup, the mental makeup of a person to say, I am going to abdicate my own duty as a father. I am going to put a law on the books that absolves me from being a father while at the same time giving me ownership of my own seed. What does that conjure up for you? What are your thoughts around something like that? Because that is a fact too. Yes, Black people sold Black people into slavery. So if we're going to address that and say that that's a fact, then damn sure we better start addressing this fact too. Kevin, what do you think? Well, I mean, that's that's a very interesting question. But, you know, I always think of organized crime. It was, it was a crime. 
you know, what was done to black Americans in this country was a crime. And the whole concept of policy and the whole concept of religion, the whole concept of how they managed us as slaves in this country was a crime. So I, I can go deeper into that, you know, but, you know, based on what you asked me, it was a crime and they, it was intentional to deconstruct who we were as human beings, to continue to keep their system of slavery in place and to manage the deep psychosis, which we're dealing with right now. And to, they knew, I mean, maybe they didn't know, but it was evil enough to understand what the, the duplication of that would be decade from decade to decade to decade. But I'm always trying to get to, okay, we've identified that. I mean, just like Professor, Professor Illy just laid out, we kind of understand those elements. We understand those issues. We understand those policies. We understand those atrocities. I mean, listening to Dr. Clark when I was a kid and, and all of these guys that I grew up listening to, because I was, I, I was given the opportunity to listen to all of them, I understood, I understood the root of that. But I'm always trying to get to how do we break that cycle of hatred and break that cycle of you know, evil so we can move as a group beyond those conditions, but understanding that history and keeping that embedded in our psychosis that we will never go back to that. I don't think that we've moved from what Dr. Illy was saying in a deeper understanding of that because we don't understand our history and how we have evolved through that. So I don't know what part of that conversation you were having before I got on, but I'm always trying to get, I'm trying to always understand and educate people about that. But how do we take that and move beyond that? Hey, hey Amen. How, how do we, right? What a yeah. great question. This is why we have to have these conversations again. Yes, black people sold black people into slavery. That's true. Our founding fathers, men who I am going to call great, what they did was they created a country that's great. I know, and that's and it's okay to disagree with me on that. It's totally okay to disagree with me on. You have to if you're going to call them great, also in the same understanding that understand that there was a psychosis there. Oh, you have to, because Kevin, I got to ask you this, and this, uh, this, and then we got to go to break real quick. But folks, I can't let this point go. Kevin, would you ever allow yourself to claim ownership of your children? Would I allow myself to not or to? Two. Would you ever allow yourself to literally own your own child? I mean, not I, well. I don't think that's possible. I mean, I don't think we can own our own children. We can develop our own children. We can help our own children, but never own our own children. I don't think that's. I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's how the human condition doesn't allow us to do that. We we build them, we educate them, and we hope they can move on to do the great things in life that we hope that we train them to do. But I would never want to own my child. No, right. Absolutely. We'll see. And, and I agree with you. Dr. Parks, final words before we go to, uh, to break. Yeah, I would say um, something very interesting, and we may want to pick this up. The Bible says that the sins of the father will be visited on the son for 10 generations. We know that that's not just psychological. It's actually epigenetic. The conditions that you experience, even prenatally or as a child, are epigenetically imprinted into your DNA and stressful conditions cause things like hypertension, diabetes um, in the children and generationally. So, you know, we have psychological issues to deal with from, you know, people being bred with their brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers to create more slaves. Um, there's so much 
baggage that has to be deconstructed. And yet we're told just to move on. We write back with more energetic health radio and all these fabulous guests right after these additional messages. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Aloha and welcome back, everyone. All right, so I'm here with special guests, Professor Henry Ely, Dr. Christina Parks, Dr. Avery Jackson, and the great Kevin Jenkins. Um, we are picking up a conversation on slavery, and, and originally we were going to do a, more of a timeline thing, but I think we're going to actually do more of an elephant in the room thing with this, uh, this first edition. So the second elephant in the room question we have is, is really about um, why didn't slaves just run away, right? Why didn't they just leave on down the road and say, oh, this ain't for me. I'm, I'm quitting this stupid job, right? So, Professor Ely, can you enlighten us a little bit about the obstacles that a slave had before a slave could even consider running away? Well, the first thing you have to do is understand name change, and that's crucial. You know, you go back and look at the Kunta Kinte and Toby. What was the significance of someone having the ability to change not only your name, but your sense of self? That's a classic example of that. And you were forced to make that adjustment. Now, here's what some people did. We don't talk about this too much, but you did have Africans who ran away and wound up with indigenous people. And they fought alongside the indigenous people. You had that with the Seminoles. You had that going out in, into the West. But that was few and far and in between. But you did have that. You had others who tried to make an adjustment, but you see that adjustment is very difficult when you are conditioned as a child to serve your master. And remember, religion is going to be used to do that. Serve thy master faithfully and your reward will come in the next life. And so you have this whole process of helping children become better slaves. So it sounds to me like at the beginning, so what you're, what you're getting into is there's a psychology to this to begin exactly. with, that the chains aren't just physical, the chains are mental. It's more mental. You control a man's mind, you don't have to worry about his body. And this is what happens when you look at this change from African people bringing their home religions 
and belief system into the Western Hemisphere and being conditioned into Christianity. The, the, church, the church plays a crucial role in this for sure, and especially the church at that time, the, the Roman Catholic Church, plays a crucial role in, in the promotion of slavery really globally. There was some, another tool, though, that gets most of the direction, and I think we, we need to honor this, and that is the whip. And exactly. and extreme punishment. What 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 could a slave who understood well, themselves to be free? What could a slave who understood themselves to be free and wanted to explore that freedom find if they continued to go against what they were told to do? Okay, but here here here's here here is the issue. Free to do what? If you became an ex-slave or a freed man, where did you fit into the social structure that was around you? You were in Never Never Land. You weren't a citizen. You were a free person of color, but you didn't have the rights of citizenship. There were certain situations where you couldn't even own property or a gun. That's real. So when you look at a Nat Turner or Elsie Stone or, uh, uh, or something like that, you see that certain people said that, well, I will die to maintain my freedom. But that's rare. Most people make adjustments to maintain their existence within the social framework they find themselves. And when you look at a system that will go on from 1662 to 1762 to 1862, that's 200 years of brainwashing. And we have to give slaves who ran away, people, particularly slaves who were born into slavery, such as Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman, the utmost respect, because they were able to disengage from that mental mindset that I'm here to serve the master. You have Amen. to give them credit. But there's a critical thing here, and that is understand this. Most of the slaves born into this system of mind control would mm. die as slaves because they did not have the intestinal fortitude or the drive to challenge the system head on because many times that meant death you ran away and you got caught you can be assured that you could come back if you were lucky and be castrated have your foot chopped off your ear chopped off or branded with a with the f on your forehead for for guy for fugitive that was a reality that you had to deal with. And what about you as a woman? You bringing children in the world, oftentimes not knowing who the father is, but understanding that that child could be sold from you in a minute and you would never see them again. This is why when you look at reconstruction, it's so important that you see black people going to try to find their offspring, traveling all over the country to rehook up with them. And we don't bring that to the table. But that was real. But the thing that we have to really understand is that this system of slavery in the Western Hemisphere is the epitome of mind control. Mm -hmm. You control the mind, you got the body. And that's just real, and it's still real today. You know, you, you taught me something when I was really young about um, a whip and a sugar cookie um, mm -hmm. and how... You know, you have a choice and it, you don't really have any choices because you're not free. And of course, you've been conditioned and mentally enslaved. But I'm going to give you the illusion of choice. You can do what I tell you to do and get an occasional sugar cookie, right, as a reward. Or you can do what I don't want you to do, 
and get the lash in front of everyone. So everybody sees that this is what happens when you don't obey, right? And it's the, it, we, and that's what we're seeing here in a parallel as well, I think today with the whip or the sugar cookie. If you do what I want you to do and get the shot, we'll reward you. We'll give you donuts. We'll give you pizza. We'll give you money. We'll do all this other stuff. But if you don't do it, we're going to do like they tried to do with Kevin and weren't successful. We're going to vilify you on a global scale, right? We're going to turn you into public enemy number one. So I want to go around to our esteemed guests and I, I want to get this idea because Professor Ely said something very profound. Slavery is in the mind, right? That's where the real bondage is. It's something that Bob Marley has said, you know, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds, right? Harriet Tubman freed her mind. Frederick Douglass freed his mind. Dr. Jackson, where are your thoughts taking you right now? So, you know, so a couple of things, you know, I completely agree with Dr. Ely. You know, number one, we have currently have um, mass psychosis, right? And so because of that psychosis, you know, the, the framers of what has been occurring with this pandemic has used the exact same strategies that Dr. Ely mentioned with, in, with slavery, right? If you can capture a person's mind and the way that was done is with fear, the fear of death, the fear of the unknown, the fear of putting people in masks that didn't need to be, and what that did, you know, to the children. We know now that uh, the, the, the children now um, uh, in the last two years now have fear like you wouldn't believe. We know that in, uh, in, in uh, children the, between the age of 10 and 17, that suicide rate is the second leading cause of death in that population. So, and it's worsened. Domestic violence has worsened. So, and, and when we talk about mass psychosis um, on a clinical standpoint, using the exact same framework that Dr. Ely had mentioned, you have, uh, here is fear that's introduced to such a degree that it breaks the normal social bonds, the normal so social structure, and then, uh, and then that, those bonds then are connected to people who have, in this case, we talk about the, you know, getting the, the shot or not or what have you, and now people are reconnected based on their decisions in that direction. And to such a degree, to such a degree that now there is disharmony, even within the home, even within the race, even within the social structure. So this was a planned uh, mass psychosis that we've fallen into. So we've fallen right into the same traps that Dr. Ely had mentioned from, from you know, years gone by. And so one of the things that we need to do is we need to understand who we are and what authority we have. And also... Who is the bad guy? Who's perpetrating this? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's a, a very important part because if you don't understand who the bad guy is, you'll never get to the answer. Who who is attempting to control the mind, right? And certainly this is the realm of all the propaganda we've seen out there. They are just stolen from the Nazi Joseph Goebbels playbook over and over and over again. Tell a big lie, tell make it and make sure they repeat it thousands of times, and then it becomes the truth. We have to always keep in mind though that what Goebbels finally figures out before that coward commits suicide and before he takes out all of his children and his wife, right? He was, he was fewer for a day, this man, this great, great man that all marketing is built upon now, that this guy had one revelation at the very end. And that is the truth always comes out. The truth 
for us that we're talking about on one hand is that slavery was wrong. It was wrong before it was ever codified. It was wrong. And that this new edition of slavery that they're attempting to slow roll out is wrong in the same fashion. Dr. Parks, you have some thoughts on this. Let's hear from you. I do. And I think what is, um, sorry, I do. And I think what is really ultimately so scary is the level of damage that can be done by people who are afraid, whether they're afraid to challenge the system and lose something. Usually it's something fairly small in the overall scheme of thing, a job, some money, um, an opportunity, really when you're talking about the loss of life. Um, but I think that um, this cowardice, this ability to get sucked into the system is very much what I look back at slavery, where people um, are just willing to go along, to get along, to support the system. And that cowardice is what is allowing all of this to just continue unabated. And so it's like, what are you really gaining from this? It's so little for most people. Mm -hmm. um, it's even just social acceptance. Um, right. And yet they're, they're going along. And so I see that same system um, during Jim Crow. Everybody did the same thing. You know, basically, we're going to follow the rules or I'll lose my job. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. The adjustments that Professor Ely is talking about, most people aren't going to take a Nat Turner, Henry Stono kind of approach to this and say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to fight you to the death for my freedom. You know, it's not um, just our freedom. We're fighting for each other's lives. Amen. You and, got it. And we're out here fighting for people's lives and other people are in their fear. They're absolutely willing to watch people go to their death. Yeah. That say that again, Dr. Parts. So, That's such a crucial statement. Please say that again. In their fear, they're absolutely willing to let people go to their deaths. Mm -hmm. And watching that happen and seeing how the cowardice of humanity is resulting in such a catastrophe, a Holocaust, is, you know, it's mind boggling to me. We, we, when you, when you enslave the mind, when you teach someone to fear, and to fear you and fear the unknown. When you teach them to do that and you enslave them, it's incredible how powerful a drug fear really can be, isn't it? You know, let me come right back to you, Dr. Jackson. In one second, I want to get a word from uh, from Kevin. Uh, Kevin, you know, you obviously have a lot of thoughts about this. Let him fly. So much to unpack. I mean, what Professor Ely was saying earlier on about the condition of slavery and you know, I, I think about, you know, what it means to be a slave, you know, what it means to be in bondage, what it means to be controlled, you know, and it's always easy for people to suggest that, you know, we should have, you know, the slaves should have been more rebellious. I think they were rebellious in a lot of different ways. And I think they were rebellious just by surviving. And the reason why they had to really condition their minds and, and try to get past their mind virus that accepted that level of control is because they were not rooted to the land and they were not rooted to their owner. They were rooted to the people that were in their lives at that moment, their children. 
you know, their families, their friends. And to go off and run away and, and to seek freedom, to go over those rivers, those two rivers I talk about all the time, like Harriet Tubman and like Frederick Douglass did, you had to be a bold individual. So when I look at all the people on this, uh, on this podcast, I'm looking at those same people that did that during that period of time. You know, it's not always not meant for everybody to go seek freedom, to come back across those two rivers to bring us back, you know, out of free. I mean, out of bondage. It's very it's very interesting. I think that certain people are ordained when they come out of their mother's womb, you know, to be ordained for that moment to fight against the tyranny of their time. And I think that represents all of the people on this podcast and so many other people around the world. But, you know, one of the things on the great temple of Luxor says, man, know thyself. And I think that as black Americans, we are trapped in this commoditization of victimhood that will not allow us to have a deeper understanding of our history, understanding how we evolved out of that history. So if you look at the black church now, I always laugh when people say the black church, that's not the traditional black church. When you look at how we educate our children now, even in our homes and even in our public schools and even some of these universities, we got away from educating our children about who they are as Americans, who they are as black um, descendants of slaves. Why we were so, even though in bondage, we still had a rich understanding of our connection to each other. And I'm, I, I find a lot of people talking about slavery in a very myopic way, but I gotta tell you, all of the stuff that I've read all of my life and how I was trained was to understand that we were in bondage, but we evolved out of that with a deeper understanding of what slavery is and what it means to be free. And I think Professor Illy said something about you know, when we were set free, there was two things that the slave did. It went after to, it went out to look and seek um, its for its family members, but it also seek education. They wanted mm -hmm. to be learned. They wanted to understand what it means. They wanted to be literate. And we've gotten away from that. If you look at all of the imagery, you know, on reality TV, what what's happening on TikTok, what's happening on Facebook. We have now debased our own selves because we've accepted modern day slavery at a level that I can't even conceptualize. I, I can't even understand the deep self-hatred with all of the smartest people in the world that we have not broken down the barriers of hatred internally in our own communities and deal with the fact that we have never moved out of slavery. We're still slaves because we have accepted, what did I say earlier? We have accepted uh, politics over ownership. We have accepted their theology over our own theology. We have accepted their faith over our own faith. You know, the human condition, I mean, we, I understand that, but as black Americans, we have lost our moral code. And every time you talk about slavery in this country now, it's always from the position like, oh, we were slaves and this is still happening to us. When in fact, the ex-slave didn't think that, they evolved. They mm -hmm. built their own communities. They built their own banks. They're built, I mean, Think about that. The ex-slave knew that they wanted to have ownership of their voice and their bodies. And we have now backed into right slavery all again. And we've surrendered our bodies based on what we've just seen in the last two years. Right. I mean, it's a deeper conversation here about that. It is, Kevin. And, and it's a it's a big difference between being in bondage and being a slave. That was you true. know, there's just a big difference between it. You know, Dr. Jackson, you had a point that you wanted to make, sir. Yeah, a couple of things. So as a brain surgeon, what we know is the frontal lobe is what deals with reasoning, which really doesn't myelinate until about age 26, number one. Number two, it's the amygdala, which is behind the frontal lobe that deals with our emotional lives. And then we have perceptions based on our historical uh, experiences 
goes in the, hyper, the uh, hippocampus, cingulate gyrus, and the rest of our memory. And, and people, what, what happens is if you can control a person's uh, perceptions, if you can control their emotions and you get under, can get under their skin and hit those hot buttons, then you can manipulate that person. And too long has that happened to us, you know, because we really don't, don't know who we are, right? One of the things is, that, you know, to be, to be honest, you know, the other elephant in the room is we talk about death, as Dr. Parks had mentioned, but yet we killed 6 million of our own babies. Amen. Killed, and, and we killed, you know, with no problem because it was convenient for us. So we killed 6 million of our kids. All right. So that tells you our, where our, our, our mindset is politically and otherwise. Because if we really loved our kids, we wouldn't kill them for out of convenience. And then yes. also, and also, with uh, you know, and, 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 you know, he'd mentioned earlier about, you know, the, the church, right? I mean, there's the church, there's the religion of the church which is you go to church and you're a good person, you do whatever. And then there's relationship. And so relationship in church is a whole nother level of, of really what being a Christian is. Yeah. And that is, you know, just as Dr. Ely mentioned and, and others on the call talked about, you know, it, being in relation is the most important part of the decisions that we make. Right. Mm -hmm. So likewise, a true Christian, it's a relationship between Jesus Christ, Lord and savior, and those other people who are the mm -hmm. body of Christ versus a religion that is, uh, is empty and is, is lacking faith. You know, Dr. Jackson, thank you so much for saying that because we do start grouping things together. And like, it, and like you said, you know, it's about your relationship. And I think it's your relationship with God. That's where faith is for me. And, but I think we also have to have a relationship as Americans with our history, you know, and an honest relationship with our history. There was a lot of good things. There were some really horrible nightmares in there too. And we have to have that honest conversation with these elephants in the room, you know, in this case, talking about what were the obstacles as Kevin alluded to, you have to imagine, okay, why don't I just run away? Well, maybe because I'm leaving behind everyone that I love into a horrific system that I might be able to prevent their death one day by doing something so that I can run away to an unknown place that probably hates me just the same. And if it just so happens that I don't make it all the way, what I am going to do is be even more physically mutilated for this. We're going to come back with this important uh, last segment on do we own our own voice and talking about Kanye West and what's going on right after these messages. America out loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. 
Check out the Copixer X banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Aloha and welcome back, folks. Um, There's a moment in every Black person's life where they realize being Black and being in this country is not necessarily a good thing. It usually happens for most uh, Black children, male and female alike. And it's something that we live with for the rest of our lives. It shapes how we interact within society for the rest of our lives. In 2020, and especially in 2021, as many Americans were losing their jobs, uh, unjustified, right? Uh, Being told they had to participate in an ongoing clinical experiment uh, or or lose their job and their ability to take care of their family, that slavery, no choice kind of scenario we were alluding to in the previous segment. Um, I started seeing something on a lot of white people's faces in this country. And that is a realization that being forthright, being faith-bound, saying no to participating in a experimental shot isn't necessarily a good thing in this country. They had their moment of realization and that waking up, I'm going to tell you, it sucks, right? It absolutely sucks. It sucks that it has to happen. It sucks when it does happen, but it happens. And that's why I told a lot of black, uh, excuse me, a lot of white folks at that time, you know what it's like a little bit to be black now in this country. You got a little taste of it and you didn't like it none too much, right? Well, that's an important thing to remember when we're all talking because the new freedom I wanna build in this country is one of true equality, true colorblindness. And that means we have to have these kind of honest conversations. So as we bring this show, and thank you so much for listening to this point, everyone, we really do appreciate it. As I bring this to a close, we're gonna talk about our voice because that's the first thing that a slave loses is their voice. So Professor Ely, can you educate us on some of the ways in which slaves lost their voice like you had alluded to last time uh, in the previous segment about the name changes and stuff like that? When and how did slaves lose their voice? Well, I think we have to be very, very careful in not getting into over generalizations. And by that, I mean, if you were a slave in Virginia, there were certain things that you had to adjust to very quickly, as opposed to being a slave in New York or a slave in Maine or Massachusetts or Connecticut, because remember, you had slavery up there, too. But the, the key is your voice is something that oftentimes is articulated but not heard. When you talk about, I want to be free, and I'm willing to fight to the death to be free, such as a Nat Turner, that's your voice. But you got also understand, you also have your voice in Frederick Douglass in the North Star. He's writing in, in his paper. So there are different ways we can express ourselves. And when we look at it very clearly, we see that Africans who fought in the Revolutionary War, both on the side of the British and on the side of the colonists were trying to get their voice. And their voice was something that they were really able to deal with because they had a gun in their hand. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that made the slave master so filthy. 
how do you convince the slave to fight for his master's freedom so his master can maintain his enslavement? Well, people saw that. And so when you look at Peter Salem or Salem Poor or other people who came out of that issue, the thing was when they killed the white British soldier, there were two casualties that day. They killed the soldier and they killed slavery. And that's why the gun was so important. So the gun, that is your voice. And when you look at that Revolutionary War, they were not afraid to take their positions on either side and use that gun as their voice and to make sure that no one was going to take it from them after the war was over. I got to tell you, that's why I'm a Second Amendment dude right now. We're very Hello. well said, right? <laughs> Whoa. What what what's the famous uh, what's the what's the famous uh, uh, black heroine who uh, told us about well. what did she I say? Well, she said every black family should have a Winchester. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my See, girlfriend, dog. There's a bunch girl. of Second Amendment dudes listening to this right now who are like, that's right on, we get you, right? That's my oh. girl, Ida B. Wells. Lady that's right. Ida B. Wells Barnett. She wasn't afraid of anybody. Got run out of Memphis, told if you ever come back here, we'll kill you. Didn't bother her. She went to Texas to help fight, help right. fight against the That's right. She was Amen. one bold woman. Oh my Amen. God! Yes, was, man. All right. Well, that, we're 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 uh, about to we're about to have a black moment here. Everybody <laughs> listening in, so just hold on. We're all excited about our history. I'm all in it too. All right. I want to go and I want to I want to switch gears and show a parallel here because thank you, Professor Ely, for th that talk on the voice. I didn't think you were going in that direction, but that was wonderful. Right. The best voice we have is that Second Amendment having a gun in our hand there. You got a hell of a voice when you got that. Right. So um, there's a, there's somebody that came out and showed that he has a voice in a different way. Kanye West. Right. He came out and started saying things that we're all thinking, we're all feeling but that we hadn't been seeing so-called celebrities doing, which made us, makes us always wonder, if you're not speaking out and you're a celebrity, are you just captured? Are you part of that entire system over there? Are you puppets? You see, you can be a slave and be well-paid. Let me say that to you again. You can be a slave and well-paid. There are plenty of slaves roaming around right now in this country that are very, very wealthy, all right? and what makes a person a slave? In the mind. So I know, Kevin, you have something you want to say about this. I'm going to save yours for the very end. I want to go to Dr. Jackson first about what did you think about what Kanye's done? And what do you think about the attempt to cancel him, especially by J.P. Morgan Chase? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, standing up for what you believe is really important. And oftentimes it has a cost. And we see uh, that that cost, as you had mentioned, in terms of being wealthy and being a slave, it's either, you know, popularity or it's uh, finances, um, which is a, a huge deal. And that same issue in, in his scenario is what is seen even in the medical community. Many physicians, prominent physicians and clinicians were our slaves because they chose not to speak out, not to help people. Um, people of color, for instance, when they were dying in the ICUs because of the fact that they that they were employed by the very perpetrators that were supporting that narrative. 
you know. And so, again, I, I would applaud someone who has a belief and stands up for what they really believe. Um, and so, so that would be my, my stance in regards to, to some of the specifics that he, that he dealt with and rightfully so. And I think all of us who are in different sectors, who have influence also need to step up if, if we can rise above our own self-preservation, because basically in the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will wax cold they will become lovers of themselves. So this is a bigger issue internally in terms of, do I love myself so much that I don't care about my neighbor and I'm going to step on their neck to get what I need to get? Mm -hmm. Or is this coming to my house too? And therefore I better be the first one to make, to say something and make change. Amen. Amen. Right. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Right. I better be because it's it acts. That's what's actually in your best interest. Right. That's what's in your best interest, not turning a blind eye, not being a slave. What's in your best interest is doing something about it and making sure that your neighbor has your back and you have theirs. Dr. Parks, what do you think about um, about this whole idea of of finding our voice? Where, where, are, you, where are your thoughts taking you? Um, I, I think that it's very concerning to me that so many people are basically doing what they would have done on the plantation when the person who ran away was came back and was castrated or whipped or whatever. They're shrinking back. So when we see these voices that are standing for Black self-determinism, they're basically saying, we don't want it. We're not part of that. And if we don't as a community stand up for our right to speak our lived experience and our perspective, then we have nothing. And so many people are saying, well, I don't agree with everything he says. That's not the point. That is not the point. The point is black people have a voice. We have the right to have a voice and we need to stand behind each other when we express our voice and not allow the slave master, the globalist deep state, whoever it is, to basically um, pick us off one by one. And I think that many of us have felt, I've felt in order to achieve my professional goals. And again, my professional goals aren't self-serving, they're humanity serving. In order to achieve my goals, I've had to censor my black voice. And I've kind of felt like I know to some of my white friends, you didn't actually know I was black because I often don't say what I'm thinking because it will offend you and you can offend me all day. And that's okay because you're so used to it. You don't know you're doing it. And I accept that offense because I want to move forward with life. But when I offend you, suddenly it's like, what happened? Why can't you be just like us? Because I'm not just like you. And I stand for the rights of black people to determine the course of their future. And we are enough of us are rational and intelligent enough to do that. We don't need white people or green people or yellow people telling us where to go. We can do it. And you need to respect our voice. You know, what's awesome about that, Dr. Parks, and thank you for saying that is we're actually better when you trust us that we got this for us as well, 
right? Because exactly. now you get an opportunity for strength collaborating with strength instead of strength seeking subservience of someone else. You should never, if you really, and I'm going to say this to you, if you really believe in freedom and you listen to this, if you really believe in freedom, then you have to believe in giving freedom to the people, the same freedom you want for yourself. And that's all black folks have ever asked for ever since I've been alive. I'm not asking for anything more. I can make my own way. I got this. I'm just saying I want the same thing that you got. That chance. That's it. Right. Kevin, bring us home. Well, I, I, I kind of following Christina. I mean, that, that was well said. I mean, when I look at Kanye, I think of all of the great men that I've admired. You know, I remember when Martin Luther King, you know, when I was a kid watching him, I didn't quite understand him as like until I got older and started really analyzing who he was, this radical mind, this radical thinker. And I think of all of the great men and, and women of my time that stood out and say, hey, listen, you know, this is what's happening in the world. But for in today's time, in the 21st century, what I'm seeing now is even more horrifying than I could have ever thought growing up the way that I did. That here's a black man saying, this is what's happening in my world. This is what they're doing to us. This is what I'm seeing. I'm on the inside, right? And I'm giving this clarion call to all of us that we need to rise up, a, a, a rise up against this in a way that allows us to be free thinking, ownership, have ownership of our voices and majority of that class of people that he has been developed by or built by or hands by have turned their backs on him. And the black community that, you know, we call the black community, the black entertainment class, the black bourgeoisie, the, all of them have, we now, what he's done is expose them all and they have to destroy him. They have to crush him, but it's up to us to protect him. And it's up to us to use what he said as an example, to have a bigger conversation in our own communities. I don't care what other people do. I don't care what they think. I care about my group and my group has a mind virus. And I think what he's done, he's pulled the veil back. And he's saying, listen, here I am. I'm exposing myself. I care about my family. I care about you. And I have enough money, kiss, kiss your ass money, kiss my ass money to say, this is what's going on. But what did they do? Chase Bank, all of these banks that profited off of slavery and the commoditization of the black body, we're gonna punish you. All of the people that he was in business with that was marketing and using them as an influencer, we're gonna punish you. Not because he said the wrong thing, because he found his blackness, he found his consciousness. And when you find your consciousness, right, that's when you find your God courage. And what he's saying, I don't care. And I'm going to stand up. And what we're all trying to do is over-intellectualize why he did what he did. He is now a man. He has found his manness. He has found what his mother and father taught him to be. And we should be standing up with him. Look, yep. I'm taking my money out of Chase, um, Chase Bank next week. Amen. See that's, see, that's action right there. That's the voice. That's what Professor Ely was talking about. There's many ways to have a voice. What PayPal just did, we're completely divesting from PayPal. You know, they put that $2,500 yeah. back on, right? You knew they were, right? Yeah. So what we're doing here is we're saying, no, where we spend our money is where we're using our voice, right? Mm -hmm. Where we, who we support and who we don't support is where we're using our voice. The thing that I loved about what Kanye did, like you said, Kevin, was he wasn't having it. You know, he just said, I'm, I'm not doing it. 
you want to you wanna whip me when I don't want to take your sugar cookie. <laughs> and, and so what I'm going to tell you is I don't want either because I don't need you. I don't need your whip and I don't need your sugar cookie. I'm going to go build my own, right? And that's something that the mentality of someone who's free, that's what I admire about him. He's free, right? Yeah. Now, and folks, I'm going to tell you, hopefully you enjoyed this show. America, go for it, Christina. And as a black woman in America, I will no longer stand by and watch the emasculation of the black man. And the men who think they're men, maybe they're all beta males, they need to stand up too. We need our men to stand up. Kanye's standing up. There are many others who are standing up as well. And we need to validate real black manhood. We're going to leave it right there, folks. Um, and thank you, Dr. Parks, for letting that one fly. And it feels good coming from the sister. I'm going to tell you straight up, that feels damn good. All right. Now, everybody, you, you know me. We aren't afraid to talk about anything on this show. So if you are, this ain't the show for you. I'm going to tell you that right now, too. All right. But we're going to talk about it because when we talk about it, that's when we have the opportunity to heal. We're not talking about this to relive horrors or to blame people for things they didn't do. So if you're feeling guilty because somebody you never met did something and you maybe look like them or share their name, please stop. You didn't do anything wrong. So stop taking on that nonsensical guilt. You don't have to. What you have to do if you really love this country and you love all the people in it is fight for everyone, everyone that feels the way you do. That's when we see through this nonsensical illusion called race. There's really only two type of people in the world, folks, people with good hearts and people who don't have them yet. That's all there really is. All the stuff we look at with skiing is just an illusion. I don't want to yeah. step on. I hope you keep doing this. This is really good. And, and I, I respect all of you. And I, I, you need to just keep doing this because it's just focused the right way. So whenever you need me to come on, please let me know. I just love it. I'm so proud of you. I, I just really am. I appreciate that, brother. All right, folks, we're going to call it a session here. And I want to thank uh, Professor Ely, Dr. Christina Parks, Dr. Avery Jackson, and the great Kevin Jenkins for joining me on this uh, conversation and letting you into a little bit of how black people think. Right. It's OK. It's not dangerous. Maybe it is It's dangerous to stupidity. I'll tell you that. That's what it's dangerous <laughs> to. But what I want to let you all know is this. We have four challenges in this day and age. And don't matter what your race is. We all got them. Take no offense, speak truth, be selfless, and remain humble. You do those four things and you can call yourself, I promise you, a friend of God. And right. it's being a friend of God that's going to get us through this. So may God shine his divine light down upon all of us, everyone we love and surround us in the protection of his warm embrace. I'm Dr. Henry Ely for Energetic Health Radio and the Energetic Health Institute. We'll see you next time, folks. Peace.